Welcome back to the Oklahoma drill. Week two in the books. We're staring down a beautiful week three bye week. Let's talk I about what we saw. I think you in week week three in the books. How many weeks? Is, oh my god, we played South Dakota. Yeah. Oh man. Time time yeah. is flying. Okay. Week three in the books, staring down a beautiful week four bye week. Uh, let's talk about what happened in the Rose Bowl. Yeah, so pretty much everything that I talked about on the last podcast about how I was like kind of worried about the game, um, those concerns were gone after <laughs> about two possessions in this mm-hmm. game. I felt, you know, like obviously watching OU drive down the field, you know, Jalen Hurts had the 99 yards rushing on the first drive. So that that did a lot to kind of ease the nerves. But, you know, it was really that second drive, even though we had to settle for a field goal, it was like, oh, this is, this is just going to be easy. So um, obviously, you know, we came out, we took, took care of business and played well. Um, which, you know, was, was my main concern was just not playing well, but it seems like, you know, the team truly is focused and, you know, they are taking every game seriously or at least so far. Um, so that was, that was nice to see. Yeah, I agree. Um, and I mean, talking about like when I knew that everything was fine, the first drive, I was actually there were points in the first drive uh, where I was like, uh, things aren't really clicking very well. But it didn't like it literally just didn't matter. It was at that like because at the end of the day, yeah, Jalen can just run ninety nine yards in five plays, mm-hmm. uh, and we'll score a touchdown, and it will be inevitable because it will always be inevitable apparently. Um, and so yeah, I thought that was fine. I was yeah, I- satisfied. It was about as ho hum of a performance. I mean, there you can always nitpick things, but in its totality, it was just kind of like, oh yeah, that's a football game. Like there just wasn't that much to it. They were just very machine-like, especially in the first half, just kind of dis- dispatching UCLA into its constituent parts and then putting it in the baggie and shipping it. I mean, you know what I mean? It was right. There was there was just very mechanical. Um, mm-hmm. Jaylen Which is good because that, honestly, that's what they should do to UCLA. Right, exactly. So, right. It was good. You, this is a game that you know five years, four years ago, or even in the, maybe in the last few years, it's a game that it, you, oh, you might have come out flat, let UCLA hang around for a little bit, um, but that really didn't happen. I mean, that you could argue maybe one, one or one or two drives for UCLA, they they were able to capitalize on a little bit of that, but for you know. 80 90% of the game, it was just OU being OU and just kind of grinding UCLA into dust. Right. I'm really, and everyone will love that I bring the podcast back to this. I'm really angry at Mike Stoops uh, for ruining my conception of what a safe lead is. Take your shot. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Because I just like, we're up three and a half scores, and I'm just like, why can't I relax? (laughs) Yeah. That's for sure. Um, No. Yeah. yeah, I um, I mean, or go, go ahead. ahead. <laughs> well, I guess go ahead. I've got a spicy take. You should go okay. ahead first. I guess my <laughs> question after watching this and after watching us just, you know, take care of business for the first three weeks. And like, I thought, I mean, I don't know if you guys watched the Houston versus Washington State game. Like, I thought Houston looked decent and oh, they yeah. 
mm-hmm. probably should have won the game if they hadn't have fumbled the ball at midfield. You know, right. like there was, they kind of left that game out, um, out there on the field for them. But has OU kind of crossed into a new, uh, I guess, kind of zone as a college football team? Because the last four years, OU has been among the elite in the country. But most of that has been on the shoulders of like, hey, we have a Heisman quarterback and an incredible offensive scheme. Um, But even, you know, with these great offenses, there are positions across the field that you're like, man, that position could be upgraded just from a talent standpoint. Um, And have has OU kind of crossed over into a more Bama Clemson like area to where like we're just talented enough that like yeah we're gonna just take care of business against crap teams like ucla and houston and like it honestly doesn't even matter you know like because i wouldn't say that we've been ridiculously clean so far offensively like we are just Mm -hmm. so ridiculously talented and good um on offense i would say yes i'm not i'm still not there on the defense yet um, I, I really like what Grinch is doing. I really like kind of the steps they're taking, but I'm not willing to say they're Bama or Clemson from a defensive personnel or just from a I'm confident, this confident in them to execute on a given week yet. Um, I need to see them do it, you know, just kind of, you know, summarily dispatch Texas Tech, especially with the backup QB, because honestly, in the last few years, Tech having a backup QB, that's, you know, that's a uh, Zeb Nolan situation of Bruin. You know what I mean? So I need to see them um, take out Texas Tech and just kind of crush them early and not give up 300 or 400 passing yards to, you know, Texas Tech second or third string quarterback um, and just kind of do that throughout the season. I, I understand that they give up yards to Texas. That makes sense to me. But teams, I mean, what Alabama and Clemson do is, I mean, they typically crush teams that have no, shouldn't be in the conversation um, week to week to week. So I'm not quite there, but I think they're getting closer. I see them getting closer. Yeah. So Well, and I, I think that, you know, we, you know, offensively, obviously we're, we're there and we've been there. Absolutely, yeah. Um, but at the probably. same time, you know, we were a bad Baker Mayfield game away from not being there mm-hmm. offensively. Right. And like, Absolutely. I think we're, we're kind of beyond that point. Like Kyler Murray was, he was pretty money every week. Like he was just, and yeah. he was going to be dominant in some way, you know, even if he wasn't a hundred percent with his passes, you know, he, you know, yeah. he would find a way to affect the game at an elite level. Um, so I think, I just think that like, we're past the whole, like, you know, we don't have a, a walk-on center starting anymore. We don't have, you right. know, like, uh, I right. mean, even, we don't even have a Drew Samia, I don't feel like. You know what I mean? And Samia no. was yeah. fine, but I think we're upgrading even on Undrafted. guys like that. Drew Samia, NFL lineman, was fine. Yeah. He no, but I get what you're saying. I No, um, I totally, like, honestly, Ed, here's a different spicy take than the one I was going to offer. Could I Like, could Tanner Mordecai have just won this game relatively handily? Yeah, uh, I mean, yeah, I think so. Probably there would have been right. times when we would be really frustrated by him throwing the ball in the dirt three times in a sure. row, or yeah. <laughs> you know, just trying to throw it so so hard into coverage. 
But yeah, I mean, we would have we would have been fine because of the way we were running the ball. Um, And I know Nathan wanted to talk about this, but like, you know, this was probably the biggest defensive front we're going to face all season. Not necessarily Mm -hmm. the best, Mm -hmm. uh, but just from a pure size standpoint, this is the biggest defensive line we're probably going to face all year. And also coming into the game, you know, UCLA has been, you know, terrible so far, but they had been defending the run at a pretty good level. Like they were having most of their problems are just pure offensively you know, inept. Um, but defending the run on defense has not been something that they've had a huge problem with so far. And we just, from the very beginning of the game, it was just like, they weren't there. Right. Um, I, uh, you know, talking about positions, um, this is going to sound really funny. Um, I think, um, because one of the positions where I feel like this is actually felt the most right now for me is running back. And a lot of that has more to do with injuries uh, in terms of affecting depth than anything else in the pre in previous years. But like, there's not like in past years. Like, I th- I think about like you know Marcellus Sutton series or uh, T.J. Pledger series or uh, you know in the past there have been times when it's like oh that's the back on the field. Well, you know this isn't like. I wish it was a different one. And like that just well, even even Trey Sermon at times was right. that way. Right. You know? And he's and like, changed. And like at this point, like and, you know, it's early days and we haven't played incredible teams. But like you said, this was a great defensive front, at least on paper. Uh, and like I have come away from every game thinking, oh, yeah, the third string guy should get more carries. <laughs> like, like I feel so comfortable with all three of these backs just being able to do whatever they feel like um and yeah. so that's that is absolutely an area where it's like where i feel like yeah there's and, yeah i 100 percent agree with you but can i say i guess my take is that running back is the least talented position on the field for ou on no offense. i definitely agree <laughs> that's the thing <laughs> um is that like i feel like yeah, I think, next, have... I think oh, next. I think next year, running back. Even if is this is this might be a hot take. If even if Brooks and Sermon both leave early, I think next year could be more talented at running back. Look, oh, I, I and, couldn't agree more. If Brooks and Sermon leave early, that just means more Jaden Hazelwood as a third down back. Oh, t- <laughs> you're gonna have to get off that one. You're gonna no, have to get off that one. Absolutely not. Uh, I know. I think, but the 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 list of running backs next year would then be Stevenson, Pledger, Major, and then the two freshmen. Right, who, and that's insane. So uh, that's you know that's still yeah, the five. freshmen are going to be higher rated than any running back we've had since Joe Mixon and Samaj P. Ryan. Right. Yeah, I mean Jace Jace McClellan will be the high the highest rated guy since Mixon. He won't be as highly rated as Mixon, but he will be the highest rated since Mixon. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was 2014, so over five years, six years. So yeah, right. I mean, I it, and I think he slated to be an early enrollee, but that's getting too in the weeds. Yeah, just to go back to the original point of what we were trying to say on offense, I think we're to the point. You mentioned Alex that so many times it was Baker Mayfield having to have an incredible game just for OU to get a, get the win. That happened multiple times. 
I, I, I really think we're kind of at the point, maybe I'll bite my words later, but that this offense is, isn't reliant upon Jalen Hurts having, he's had three in a row, but I'm not convinced that he has to account for 400 yards in a game for this offense to be clicking. I think he can almost be the, just kind of distributor sort of guy, because I, like, like we've said, I have a lot of confidence in all three of those running backs. I have a lot of confidence yeah. in just the wide receivers getting a bunch of yards after the catch. Um, the offensive line, still young, still getting to, I mean, getting used to playing with each other, but the talent's there. So, I don't know. I, I just think that offense is, has been at that level and has maintained that level, and they're at that level now. And now it's time for the – now we just need to see the defense rise up. And we've said multiple times, you know, probably in 2017, if we had had a top 60 defense, they win the title. So right. I don't – if right. they can get to that level this year, I'm not, I think the competition might be a little fiercer than there was in 2017, but that puts them right in that conversation. So – and I think they're – I think – I mean, statistically, they're there right now. So can they maintain that, maintain that and can they improve upon that? Um, right. And I think – yeah. Yeah. I really feel like the offense, I, I think that actually the offense is, it's not just it's like ceiling, it's the floor of the offense that has become mm-hmm. more like Alabama and Clemson. In terms of like, like last, this weekend, like Clemson was like misfiring and sort of like shaky yeah. on offense. And then you look up, it's like, oh my God, they dusted Syracuse. Yeah, yeah. it just takes a quarter and then they're got they're three... Three touchdowns right. passed and game's over because the right. And I so think good. that like the Oklahoma offense is now at that point, and you know, there's it's been uh, executed so well that like mm-hmm. the production has always been there. But now we're at a point where like, you know, I I felt like there were there were plenty of things this uh you know that happened in the game where you're like ah oh, that didn't quite work. Uh, and yeah, it just but didn't it didn't matter. matter <laughs> yeah. Well, well yeah, like this Rambo's... was. Touchdown, go ahead. touchdown. Well, I was just going to say, like, Rambo's long touchdown. Jalen was just kind of running around, buying time. And then, oh, there's Rambo and 40-yard right. touchdown later. I mean, it's just... Yeah. This was the first game that watching Hurts, you know, he did, you know, I felt like he was doing special things. Like, obviously, the first game, he was unbelievable. And, like, right. he executed and ran really well. But, like, he was making stuff out of nothing in this game. And he didn't really do that against Houston. He was just like nope. taking what was there and it was all really good. But he was making, you know, he was getting first downs out of situations that, yeah, he probably had no business getting a first down out of, but he was right. making it happen. Well, there was that one long third down play. He didn't even get the first down. He, he only made it fourth and short, but it was amazing. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, and like 16 yards. Right. And he probably should have like been sacked. Mm-hmm. Um. The uh, like, and then in addition to that, like he stepped into a deep shot from a clean pocket um, that was like clearly drawn up that way. It wasn't a busted coverage or anything. Uh-huh. And it's like, oh, okay, easy touchdown. Like, yeah, this is like that sort of thing is like, yeah, this is what Jalen can be. Yeah, no, absolutely. Like, I think that this was his. I think this was his best game so far as a as a quarterback. I mean, it's just been three games, but um, I was more impressed by some of the stuff he did in this game than I was at any point in the Houston game. Because yeah, he made the downfield throw on time on target, and you know that was nice to see. Um, 
I will say I have a couple more things. Like last week, I had some complaints about just stuff I was hearing and having to, you know, because still, like we don't know know for sure what this team is going to be. But I I do want to complain about people seeming concerned about how few touches CD Lamb has gotten in two out of the three games. Um, I just I don't think that that is a valid concern when your offense is playing at the level OU's is. Right. Like, it's just, I mean, yeah. I feel like that, if anything, is a positive because our, our yeah. best player offensively exactly. had two touches and we had 611 yards on offense. Right. Like, to me, it's a situation where it's like, if you wanted CD to get more involved in these games, like, you needed to extend the clock. Like, there just wasn't time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there's there's well, a I, lot of mouths to feed, and this game was basically over when it started. Yeah. Um well, I mean, like, Tylen Wallace is the NCAA's leading receiver right now, and OSU is in, like, a battle with Tulsa in the third quarter. So Right, that's the thing. It's, like, in order for, like, for, like, in order for this offense to really start, and it's crazy to say, like, really start putting up numbers, like, they need to be in a situation where they have to. Mm-hmm. Where they're not playing, you know, backups in the third quarter, so. Right, exactly. And, I mean, I'm completely fine with them playing backups in the third quarter of the whole year because that means they're killing people. So I Right. Mean, but, like, if you want, like, in order for CD to get touches, CD has to be on the field. Exactly. And Well, and he's, yeah. draw, he's drawing double coverage, and what that's doing is it's freeing up other guys. And, and eventually teams are going to realize, oh, I can't leave Rambo single covered because he's beating us all the time. So right. he's going to get his opportunities. So. And yeah, I'm just not concerned about it. it, it no. he, yeah, I mean that's not even really worth talking about because it's a, just a dumb topic. It's people yeah, that are yeah. worried about CD being able to get his bullet in the cough or something like that that are just looking at well, stats. I think more than yeah. Anything. I mean, it's the same. It's the same deal when they were talking last week about what happened to the tight end position. You know, right. it's like. Right. It's just, it's just not going on right. Like they they haven't played any meaningful snaps yet, so like we've seen very very little of what this offense is actually going to look like when they have to be good. And yeah, so like so don't really vanilla. take any of it into account. It's been, yeah, it's been incredibly vanilla. Lincoln isn't showing anything. He gets he builds the lead and then he goes into just kind of a shell of an offense. And yeah, it's and it still works. That's the crazy part. So, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. Um, I, I will. Ends, can I say real quick? Go ahead. I do think one of my favorite things about Lincoln is that, yes, we've been very vanilla, but he still like throws in some little trickery things just mm-hmm. because I and I know it's just so he like I want Texas to have to just look yeah. at this for a few minutes. <laughs> right. You know, he's like. She just throws in just Herman, enough right. stuff just to annoy people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Just to put, and just I love, to make them practice yeah. against it. And I, it, it's also like, it's fun from like a, like a football history perspective to look at the specific concepts he throws in. And like, cause it's like a lot of the goal line stuff we do looks like straight out of like the fifties or the forties or even earlier. Right. Like we're talking like single wing end around type situations mm-hmm. um and and like that now combined with everything else this offense does in the open field yeah that was like how uh, that was like half of jordan smallwood's cut uh touches whenever he was right here, was on the right. on that play it was his first touchdown before he caught right one. He as a redshirt senior 
right yeah. he ran one in on a jet sweep in a heavy package um speaking of tight ends um how do we feel about uh this new era in grant calcaterra's career where he runs forward after catching the ball hey man that was probably the best yards after catch performance he's had in his career right um you know like and a lot of times you know and i cannot this has been very annoying to me it's been just anytime grant calcaterra has been talked about it's like well he didn't get killed after he got caught because yeah, in like four plays in his career, he's gotten hit pretty hard after he caught the ball. Like, it's just, it's a thing that happens. We need to get over it. Um, <laughs> but for the first time, like, he eluded a guy. I He's been one of the least elusive players I've ever seen. Um, but, you know, yeah. he finally made it happen. Um, so, so good for Grant, yeah. finally in his junior season. Right. Yeah. Well, he he's had to also, show up for that yeah. home crowd. Uh, that was 70 miles away from his hometown. Yeah. 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 Good for Grant. He's also great at the opening. Just want to shout that out. Yeah, absolutely. He was, he was. He was good at the opening. And you know what? And you know the thing about the opening? Not a lot of contact there, obviously. So. That's true. That's true. You don't get right. a good feel. Right. Um, <laughs> shout out to Drake Stoops for making a nice catch on a. Yeah, that's actually a good yeah. snag. Yeah, yeah, like that was. He looked like a quality slot receiver. I think he is a quality slot receiver. Um, you know, yeah. it's hard you, for I him mean, to get on the field, but right. I remember it's seeing him remain hard. But in high, you know, I remember seeing him in high school, and like, I didn't really think of, like I'd heard people talk about. Oh, he's actually pretty good. And then I actually saw him. I was like, wow, he's actually pretty good. So yeah, it oh, wouldn't yeah. be so. It wouldn't be surprising to me. I mean, right. obviously he's getting snaps. So I mean. Hell, next year he might actually be like a real part of the rotation. It'd be interesting. That'd be pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> I don't know if I want that, but it would be he's a, cool. He's also the backup punt returner. He is. Yeah, Which is just cool. the most annoying thing <laughs> in the world to me. <laughs> I, You'll I, right. I don't I want to take over full time because yeah. we can't risk CD in that situation. I just, I just want Jaden Hazelwood to be our punt returner. That's really all I want. Right. That's all I want. Uh, I really, Jaden Hiswood got like one touch in this game, and it was the mm-hmm. most incredible thing I've maybe ever seen. Do you guys remember this play? Didn't he yeah. like run over a guy for a first down? Yeah, no, it's he, like he catches the ball in the flat, then turns, looks at the corner, and then pushes him to the first down. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, yeah. that was Is, that was one of the things. Like uh, first possession of the second half, when we had that three and out, we called that third and four screenplay to Rambo. Mm-hmm. And my real, really, my only take on that play was, yeah, that would have worked if Hazelwood was the guy who got the ball because he's not going out of bounds and getting pushed well, out at that point. If Theo caught it, he probably would have dragged like six DBs all the way to the end zone. So, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I need, I need more freshman receiver. I know Rambo's playing great, but I, you know, I think that there is a, there's definitely a skill set that Hazelwood has that Rambo does not in those short yard situations where he mm-hmm. just needs to, you know, fight dudes to get yards. Like that's not right. going to be a Rambo thing, yeah. and, but Hazelwood is already a badass at it as a true freshman. Rambo is just so. really good at running past people. So yeah. He right. can just keep doing that. Also a good skill. That's a good skill to have. I'm yeah, not yeah, mad yeah, at him yeah. for that. I love He's how leading like, receiver so far. Yeah, go ahead. Mm-hmm. I love how like, 
we were talking about OU fans who are mad that CD isn't getting out of touches, and we're sitting here like, why aren't they putting the freshman in? This is like that universe brain thing where like normal people are talking about right. CD, and we're like, Hazelwood needs more touches. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Speaking okay. of promising freshmen, this is a look at the segue into Jaden Davis talk. Yeah, this is we too should early. probably let's, talk about our defense. Let's talk Jaden Davis and, yeah. and the defense. Um, so, I mean, Jaden Davis has made the most impressive plays this season at the cornerback position. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it's, it's been a pretty good position so far. Like it hasn't been tested a lot, mm-hmm. but I think for what it has been tested, the guys have done pretty well. Yeah. Um, you know, Trey Brown got his first interception shouts to the union boy. Yep. Um, you know, part Motley is playing better football than he's ever played in his career, which is interesting and cool to yeah. see. Yeah. Sands um, like the first two starts he had, and then it just was all downhill from there. Right. <laughs> yeah. He had the Ohio state game and the, uh, the two lane game yeah. <laughs> where he had the pick six. Right. Right. Um, but no, Jaden Davis, uh, obviously I think the most, I mean, people have focused obviously on his picks so far, but, uh, mm-hmm really excited about the tackles he's made yeah yeah i mean he made that tackle he made on that third down on the screenplay right oh you hasn't had a corner make that tackle in well, years the craziest part about that is he like fought off two blockers to make that tackle right like no, right. That, that was, was the, yeah who was, that the was, last was a perfectly player. set up play and he just decided right. no i'm making this tackle right who is the last OU corner who could do that I mean, I maybe Aaron Colvin, but yeah. that really wasn't his biggest strength. Right. I don't know. It might have been like Brian Jackson or Dom That's Franks. Like it might. I know what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. it's been almost so there like you ten go. years. And that wasn't even his only good tackle of the game. Like, no. He also had a beautiful, perfect form tackle well, that was also like a really hard hit. Well, can we? I mean, can we talk about like part? I remember whenever he was being recruited. I thought he was like the quintessential Kerry Cooks guy. Like he's five ten, buck seventy five. You know, I didn't expect this level of physicality, this level of you know being ready for the college game immediately as a true freshman. I honestly wasn't even sure if he would fit Grinch what Grinch wanted because he's not you know six plus. He's not super long, but it doesn't seem to matter. He's playing. He's Grinch called himself called him basically considered a starter and he'll get like equal rep, reps with uh, Trey Brown and Parnell moving forward now. I mean, that's all yeah. how quickly he was ascended to that, right. which is really, really surprising to me. And yes, he played at St. Thomas Aquinas, but just from a physicality and from a like a body maturation standpoint, I just I did not really expect this. Right. I think it really speaks to the degree to which good tackling starts in the mind. Yeah, it's like... probably so. Yeah. I'm like vomiting uh, from the coach speak I just dropped. Um, but like, I mean, in a serious, like you, if he, like he is. You have to visual, not, visualize yourself in the position. Right. Yeah. Well, he is not materially significantly larger than Buki in any dimension. And Buki is like, for his size, pretty astonishingly built. Mm-hmm. And yet. Mm-hmm. This is the guy who can make the tackles. Yeah, Buki's a horrendous tackler. I'm just—he's one of the worst tackler. I—I I, I need to talk about him. Um, 
because I know we'll talk about safeties and overall, but I I've come to the to the deal with Buki is that you know there was that play on the edge that he was he was freaking there and he was just you know stiff armed into oblivion and I just I don't think he's ever going to not do that. You know, I don't think there's any situation where he's ever going to be a guy that is going to be able to make that tackle. You know, he's a good football player in the sense that he has good instincts. He sees the game well because he's usually in a place to make a play. He is just, you know, whatever it is, maybe, you know, maybe partly mental. But I do Mm -hmm. think, I mean, you said he's not super different from Davis. He is shorter than Jaden Davis. Like, I know he's... Maybe He's not like listed five, that seven. way, but Buki's 5'7", maybe 5'6", right? That dude is very, very small. Um, so, like, he just – any, you know, I don't – I think maybe Jaden Davis has, you know – maybe it's just because he's skinny, but it looks like his arms are quite a bit longer than Buki's specifically. Yeah. Uh, Buki's which probably just helps squat. too. Yeah, he's just like a little shrunk down – football player to me and like yeah, it's, it's he's, a massive he's like problem a, he, yeah, he's like a linebacker at like four-fifths scale what buki needs <laughs> I, i'm not i'm not completely ready to write him off as like ever being truly effective but i think he needs to be they need to be smart in how they use him honestly i there are probably better um like guys that he could try and be but i think like Nikel Roby Coleman of the infamous, you know, Saints tackle the the Rams yeah, yeah. the Rams nickelback. Like I think that's who Buki needs to try and emulate. Um, right, and that's how they kind of need to use him because he's pretty effective. He's not, you know, the best slot corner in the league or the best nickelback, but he's a similarly sized guy who immediately comes to mind. Who is? Who, I mean, he's playing in the NFL. He can he's and he's fairly, you know, a decent player. So. I don't know if he's ever going to be like a first team all Big 12 kind of guy, but I think he can be cuz he does have the like he's a good football player instincts wise. It's just how can they yeah. use him where he's not put in bad positions where oh he's matched up on a tight end and obviously he's not going to win that cuz he's giving up 10 inches to the to the right. guy he's well, trying to cover. I think I th- there is I think there's yeah, there is sort of and like and Buki sort of played this up himself, which makes sense. But like, you think about like the like the comparisons to like Tyron Matthew, um, and like the whole Honey Badger thing, mm-hmm. um, which is that like Tyron Matthew can play bigger than himself, and like he's already starting from a place that is larger than Buki. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the reality of Buki is that he's not a guy who can really play that much bigger than he is. Um, he can play football really well. At his well, size, and when he does, he—I mean—he takes himself out for the year. I mean, that's how he got right. hurt against Kansas State. Is he laid out a six-seven tight end? That's great, but then you bang up your shoulder, and then you can't play the rest of the season. So, right. Yeah. So like this, and this is the thing: like playing nickel, playing full-time nickel. Like he is always going to be uh, an opportunity to be exploited by tight ends because the reality is that he can't play to that size. It's—he's not large enough. He's right. got great instincts. He's got great speed. He can't tackle guys bigger than himself. And frankly, he also I, I don't. Got for his size. I don't think he has great speed. I'm gonna be honest. I think he has I mean, good I, short he's area quickness. Fine. Yeah. I don't know if he's. I don't like think he's slow. Long speed. 
think, yeah. I think Nickel is a good spot for him. I just, I think mm-hmm. they, I don't know if, I think he needs to be in a situation where he's rotating heavily with like a sturdier Nickel. No, it's hooking. Yeah, no, he still... needs to be he needs to be the third down slot corner that like yeah. when you're right. playing a team that has a guy like let's say Drake Stoops or whatever at that slot mm-hmm. position, yeah, he's a guy that can come in and hang with that guy because it's he's not super big. Um, yeah, I was but, I was hoping Sylvie would be that guy. Maybe Cradell yeah. eventually blossoms since into that guy, but I think he's he would be really good as mate. Maybe you can call him the starter, but he plays 60-40 with another guy that can kind of handle right. those larger receivers. Right. Yeah, no, I, I think it needs agree. to be Cradell just straight up. I don't I don't think Sylvie's the answer at all. Yeah, I'm not um, sure he's back from his Achilles yet. I think it was Achilles. I don't think he ever will be. I mean, yeah. you don't it's tear hard, your Achilles. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you're right. Nick Basquin. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, um, you just... <laughs> Literally, like it does not matter what happens to him. Any, he rolls out of bed eight months later and gets a ball on third down. Any yep, thought yep, yep. of? I mean, I know that you know this is probably not a great idea because you know it seems like for once we might actually have depth at corner that isn't mm-hmm. horrendous. Mm-hmm. Um, any thought? I mean, it seems like Jaden Davis might be a pretty solid uh, nickel to me, like just with his skill set. Any thought at maybe making that move over the bye week now that we have a couple weeks to prepare? I mean, I don't think it'll happen, but how do you you think that would be? Well, well, here's the thought. I think, and this is the most interesting aspect of this discussion is, who would you rather have as like the third down slot corner guy? Would you rather have Jaden Davis or would you rather have Buki? Oh, Jaden Davis all day. Right. Like I mean, that's true. Maybe like, that's maybe that's what you do instead. Like you can split Jaden Davis as a like a, a third corner and have him split, but then also yeah. he comes in on third down. And um, you know, we did that with uh, with Trey Norwood a bit last year. Yeah, maybe that's point. something we do. I guess I guess for Davis, the the thing that I'd always you you always hear about coaches wanting to protect freshmen and how much they're exposing them to. I don't want to. Yeah. I don't want to. Um, halt his maturation at corner. Yeah, to to play have experiments at slot corner or at nickel. Right, um, and also right. like so I, I and I don't know what that looks like. Maybe it's like a really easy you know com- thing to just walk over there and to do that. I don't know. Probably not. I would assume not. I mean, but my only my only counter to that would be that he did do that quite a bit in high school because yeah, he played with, a, he played with a bunch of other division one guys in that secondary. And so he was a guy that was in the slot quite a bit. Um, right. So yeah, maybe that would really be my, that do. Would, yeah, that would really be my primary concern with something like that is just like, um, and you know, that's spoken to a bit by the fact that he has experience doing this, but like, I mean, slot corner is probably technically significantly more difficult. Yeah, because the fir- typically the I mean the 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 old adage is the further you move it or the closer you get to the middle of the field, the harder it is from a just a from a mental standpoint. Right, because well, yeah, you, because work your so way many, in. So yeah, there are so many aspects of leverage. Like mm-hmm. your guy can now get extreme leverage in either direction, and you have to be well, prepared to counter that. That's why you always see uh, the biggest impacts running back excluded. Uh, of immediate impact freshmen always kind of work their way outside in corners, wide receivers to defensive ends, and then kind of 
rarely do you see the true freshman middle linebacker unless like it's you know they have to. It's yeah, a, unless like, everybody like else Murray, got hurt, so like, now you need to get your athletic yeah, monster in it, there. Unless it's Kenneth Murray basically playing because John Michael Terry hurt his foot, and mm-hmm. we have no one else. I mean, or or at Alabama, both of your starting middle linebackers have torn their ACLs or whatever, and now you're starting two freshmen. I mean, that happens some, but in a perfect world, usually if everyone's healthy – Freshmen are just leapfrogging guys at those middle positions because they just have so much going on. And Bukey's talked about it at nickel, ex- particularly. He's in some looks he's playing basically like a small linebacker. Some looks he's playing corner. Some looks he's playing safety. He's playing all over the all these different responsibilities. And maybe Jaden Davis is up for that. I don't know, but that would be my primary concern. Now, if he's done it a bunch in high school, I honestly don't remember what his huddle looks like that much. Um, if he if he's been exposed to that, then maybe he's uh, not. Or, you know, he's already you know able to step into that quicker. And if that gets him on the field, and it's kind of like a no line situation where it's your five best DBs are out there in that scenario, then yeah, hell hell yeah, let's do it. But right. I mean, that would be my number one concern. Can he stand up to that? But <laughs> I think it makes sense. But you're also taking off. Buki on what he's probably better on in a pure coverage scenario instead of um, right. lining up against you know right. a, a potential run type. Right. So I, I think know. what we've really discovered here is uh, we at the moment don't presently have a very good solution at Nickelback. <laughs> well, that's probably true. I mean, it, yeah, and the thing is, the guy that is starting is, you know, he's probably not. He's not an ideal fit really in either no. scenario because right. If you wanted the pure cover guy, you would want a guy more like a Jaden Davis who is could you know is playing corner really effectively. And if you wanted a guy that can do a little bit of everything, you would want a guy that's bigger. You know what well, I mean? Yeah. So it's just right. Buki is just honestly he's a terrible fit for this and position. And I think we're seeing why. And I I'll I mean I was uh, skeptical of this honestly in the off season, but I think we're seeing in Grinch's system, why they liked Trey Norwood in that spot is because he could do a lot of different things. So, yeah. 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 And moving forward, I think that kind of Swiss army knock guy is kind of how they see that spot. You know, I don't, I don't particularly know what they like body type wise, exactly what Grinch wants that because at Wazoo, he was actually using a lot of small linebacker, kind of that Keenan Keenan Clayton kind of guy, maybe a little smaller, but Guys, mm-hmm. kind of big safeties, small linebackers in that spot. That doesn't seem to be what he's doing here. But I think he's. Well, I just more I think that's because we don't have that guy though. And that's that's right. possible. And so maybe next year we start seeing um, the kid at Beggs. I can't think of his name. Maybe that's where they kind of pitch him. I don't know. Kendall but, Daniels. Yeah. Yeah, Kendall Daniels. Thank you. Maybe that's kind of where they're saying, "Hey, we could see you playing into this uh, position. That'd be uh, right. That'd be awesome. Right. Yeah. But um, that'd be great." No, I think it, it's... Yeah, go uh, ahead. Yeah, it's just... We're, like... Because you look across our defensive secondary, and it's like, are any of these guys really the mold that uh, Grinch was looking for? I, no. I think the only guy that could maybe lay claim to that is Trey Brown, just because of a, a speed standpoint. Right. But... I mean, what about, like, Woody Washington? Or are we just talking about guys that see, have been here? At, at, uh, yeah, I'm talking Woody, about like though, here guys, at, guys who are like physically, de- physically, and like mentally developed enough to be playing consistent snaps. Well, like, 
No, okay, I would say no, though. I would say nobody in the secondary, except potentially Trey Brown, is is really in what the mold that Alex Grinch is yeah. looking for. And even Woody. Woody is like 5'11", so I don't know if... And he's at safety. I think Grinch wants like 6'2 safeties. So right. I, I don't even know if Woody is in, the, is in that mold. Um, mm-hmm. If he was still at corner, I could make an argument. But uh, then I'd be worried about speed. So... I don't know if anyone is actually in that mold. And that's kind of what I was talking about with Jaden Davis because he doesn't really fit that um, prototype that all of the offers that this new staff is making kind of seem like they want. They At corner, they want like 6'1 guys with really long arms. And if they're not 6'1, they have really long arms that can really run. So mm-hmm. that's kind of what the, the, the guys that they want. And in the middle, it's like 6'2 safeties, 6'3 safeties that can run. So... It's pretty interesting to think about, like, you know, and we are really going long on this, and that's fine. Um, But, you know, we've got a guy like Jaden Davis that came in and is is already making his mark on the defense, and he is not a guy who is an ideal fit. It's going to be really interesting to see what happens when we have guys coming in as freshmen that are what they're looking for physically and to see how early they're able to make their impact. I think it'll probably be pretty quick. Mm-hmm. Oh, for sure. I think next year, Bryson Washington could easily be in the rotation, you know, from the jump, especially yeah. if he's an early enrollee. I mean, yeah. Was, I mean, right. Oh, yeah. I wish I had that info. <laughs> Let's talk about safety. We've, we've talked about nickel and corner quite a mm-hmm. bit. Um, I think that if there was a negative that came out of this game, there wasn't a lot of them. Um, it was it was the safety position. And I am ready, you know, I am concerned. I mean, I'm not going to just, you know, talk about, I'm not going to shit on people concerning about this position specifically like I did. You know, last week people were, you know, concerned about the left side of the offensive line. I thought that was stupid. (laughs) I don't think this is a stupid concern because we've had issues at safety for years. And just listening to what Alex Grinch says about the position that he coaches personally like, it's not like he's glowing about the no. guys he has. Like, it's, yeah, we have two guys that we think are okay, and that's it. We don't like our depth at this position, yeah. and we're not even, like, 100% in on the guys that we have starting, but they're just better than the rest of the terrible players we I have. Think, yeah, I think what Grinch would say about his current two starters is they're adequate. And I don't even know if adequate is, like, they, they don't bust a lot. But they do bust some, and right. they also aren't physically talented enough, especially in the case of Patrick Fields, to make up for busting ever. So, right. If if we're going, and we've talked about this offline before, if we're playing Patrick Fields, and I, I'm a Patrick Fields fan. He went. I mean, he went to Union. I want him to succeed. But, and I I said this whenever he was getting recruited out of Union, he kind of surprised me that they went after him because he's not very big, he's not very fast, so he needs to be extremely reliable and always in the right place, and he hasn't been that so far. So maybe it's just that he's working through getting comfortable sort of sort, sort of situation. He's only it's only the third game he's ever started. He's a true sophomore, but he needs to you know we need to see that jump happened in this off week against Texas Tech or else yeah. I'm going to start getting concerned because he's 5'11", 185 pounds and he's going to get abused against Texas's large receivers if they don't if if that if they if, if the jump doesn't happen 
And Delaire in turn, you know, I'm a little bit more confident in him just from a physical standpoint, but he's also a little undersized and he's missing tackles. And I, and we were led to believe coming into the season that tackling was what he was best at. So if he's right. not to making tackles, then what, tackles. Yeah, yeah. If tackle, if he's going to be missing tackles, then what does he really bring? Yeah. He's very, he's very fast, but he's, he's made some, go ahead. Yeah. I, I don't think that we've seen enough positives out of him. I, I think I'm equally concerned with both. Like, you know, Fields yeah. is busting more than he can afford to. And I mean, but it's not like Delarian Turner Yell isn't busting. Right. And, you know, he just, I, I get, yes, he has physical tools, but those aren't really being showcased right now. Yeah. I know, guess what I'm what trying I've to seen. say is that he has a higher ceiling. So I'm willing to give him a little bit more leeway. Um, sure. Yeah, I would be more it, inclined to to yank Patrick Fields before I would Delarian Turner Yell just because I think Patrick Fields he is almost he is what what he is and this is what you're going to get. I don't know how much better he can get outside of just feeling really comfortable in his spot. And maybe yeah. he becomes really comfortable and becomes really steady and we don't do, we just don't worry about him that much, but I I need to see it with him so i i think with these two guys the, what we need to see from them when we watch a game is we just need to not notice them you know yeah, i think that's right. what needs to happen because i don't think we can look at either one of these guys and think yeah they're going to be playmakers for us um and i know like i mean i was relatively high on these two going into the year and i know that i probably was a little too high on both you know i i wanted well, to like both of them quite a bit I don't um, think you you should feel bad about that because Grinch did talk them up and maybe it was, and maybe now what we're seeing is the reason he was talking them up is he, because there's just a void behind them and yeah. they're the only two that were even remotely close to being able to play. Right. So I think that's hundred percent. Yeah, and I, that's what I was a little bit afraid of, but I was hoping it's just because oh they're pretty good and yeah these other guys just aren't quite there yet. But maybe right. now it's more of a, these are the only two guys that can play, and these other guys are nowhere remotely close. Yeah. I think and I think Broyles, Justin yeah, he seems, Broyles, mm-hmm. he's the closest to them. He seems to be working himself at least slightly into the rotation. Yeah. I think Barnes is a, a thing of the past. Like, he's going to be gone. I expect him. Yeah. I think he's going to be in the portal before the season ends, um, personally. Possible. Um, I know that last year that became a thing, like after the fourth game, that's really when guys decide, Hey, yeah, I'm definitely transferring because if they, if they don't play again, then they don't lose the year of eligibility. Um, so that's, I think I expect something like that probably from, from Robert Barnes. I don't think he'll be here long term, which is unfortunate because that guy is, you know, probably the most physically talented safety we have. And it just hasn't worked out. Um, but there's you know, also, a lot of injury yeah. issues and just he's also a legacy, so you kind of remember yeah. that also. Right. Yeah. Um This is speaking sort of broadly about our discussion of defensive backs and like physically what we want out of our defensive backs uh, and what Grinch is looking for. Um and you guys can like you can guys can tell me how you feel about this as a point of concern. Cause it kind of feels like when um basketball fans talk about their ideal small forward and it's like you you destroy you what you're describing is like an all-star 
right? Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, we just want a guy who's like six foot nine and he can defend and he can shoot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. So are you um, asking what are our our uh, ideal safeties and corners? What do they well, look it's, like? It's like, um, well, yeah, well, everybody <laughs> wants the six two guy that can run. I mean, right? It's like are, we, we, we want a bunch of, of guys who are both very tall and very fast. Yeah, there aren't very many of those. So, I mean. You have to be realistic, but I, I mean, a good example would be in this current recruiting class, OU is targeting Dante Manning, and at one time had Dante Manning committed. Dante Manning is not six foot two; he plays cornerback. For those that might not know, but he's about five eleven, but he has really long arms, and he can run really fast. And <laughs> so that, and so that's kind of what we're talking about. Where right, he he might not check every box. But he checks most of the boxes, and that's kind of, and what Grinch, I think, what we're learning about what the, this defensive staff wants is, yeah, they want tall, but what they're more concerned about than anything is long, and what right. what we mean by long is wingspan. How long are their right. arms? And Dante Manning has really long arms, so he might be five eleven, but he has a six two wingspan, and so yeah, that's more what they're looking for. And if they can run ten six. Then yeah, that's what they're. That's kind of what they're uh, envisioning at on the outside. And then in, inside, it's you know again, it's length. It's how fast are they? And speed D is more they, it's supposed to be more of a hustle thing, but it's also mm-hmm. a literal thing. So. Right. They need they need uh they need to get Sam Presti in on the scouting. No, absolutely. We, he'll Sam, find us. Sam Presti will find Alex Grinch some safeties. Yeah, he'll get some length out there on the football field. They might not yeah. be very good at football. But they'll be long as hell. So I, a want lot to of... Jer- I want to see Jeremy Grant play safety now. There's a <laughs> lot of sawed-off guards out there that should be looking at safety. So Yeah, no no yeah. kidding. No kidding. Um, okay, so, you know, we've kind of, you know, we've gone into a long, detailed discussion about, you know, maybe some of the issues defensively. But I think that we can all say that we're pretty comfortable with what we've seen from our front six. Oh, yeah. Um. You know, they completely and utterly dominated a bad <laughs> UCLA offensive line. Um, we just kind of set up shop in the backfield. And I just, Those... I really had a tremendously hard time believing that UCLA's deep offensive line could be that bad because their center's name is Boss. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Their, their interior, well, uh, both their guards and their tackles are just going to have nightmares about Jalen Redmond. Because oh, he yeah. was oh, yeah. living in their backfield, it was, I wanted I wanted to know like what percentage of snaps he played. He made it, you know, he put pressure on uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson because it would seem like it was every time he was on the field, he was just immediately in their backfield, and right. it was very fun to watch. And like you look at the, and this might be jumping forward too quickly in terms of like the overall picture, but you look at what the front six did in this game and you start to recognize like the way we're talking about this defense is like, okay, there is like, we're concerned about like fit at nickel and like weakness at safety. Whereas mm-hmm. like last year we were talking about a defense that failed to consistently do anything well at any position. Well, okay. You say that at this point last year, they were actually right. playing Defensive pretty well. Actually really so, good. Yeah. yeah. So they um, have to have that caveat, but it, right. I, I will also say, while saying that, I, I it feels different to me this year. Like I feel more confident in it for some reason. Like last year, I just kind of kept waiting for the for for it all to crumble 
and I was finally vindicated, you know, against Iowa State where uh, Zeb Nolan passed for 300 and Hakeem Butler was just abusing Parnell Motley. Like, so I, I want to – okay, go ahead. go ahead. Sorry. Well, I was just going to say I, I, I feel like I there's more reasons for optimism right now. Yeah. I, so, I want to kind of – I mean, not necessarily – I don't necessarily disagree 100% with your statement about last year we look pretty good. What I will say about last year is that um, that Florida Atlantic game, you know, Chris Robinson was terrible in that game. He missed a lot of open throws, mm-hmm. and they had multiple penalties on their first couple drives yeah, that kind of stalled drives. Good, but we didn't and, know that. Yeah, and like that really helped our defense. And mm-hmm. I haven't seen that kind of thing so far, where it's like. Oh yeah, we've dodged a lot of bullets because the other team is dumb and they're just horrendous. Like we haven't yeah. played, you know, UCLA is bad offensively, but they were bad last year and we actually put up better defensive numbers this year against them than we did last year. Yeah, on the road. On the road, right? You know, you know Dorian Thompson Robinson was in his first start as a college quarterback last year and now he's in year 2 and like mm-hmm. yeah, he's looked bad this year, but I mean, you can't really convince me that he isn't better at football now than he was in his first start as a college football player. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Right. And I'm not trying to say that, you know, last year we looked pretty good, so this year we could definitely crumble. And that could happen. But what I'm trying to say is this year, yeah, it might be relatively similar starts, but it feels more legitimate this year than yeah. I ever felt at this time last year. Because last year, I honestly was just waiting for it all to come crashing down, and it did. Yeah, when it, once they got into conference play, and this well, year, and I, think, like, I feel like they can build on it better. Last year, I mean, I think it was two good games, and then Iowa State was that third game, and they just lit our asses up. Right, um, I can't, remember, can't remember exactly, yeah. but that sounds right. Yeah, so like we've already played one more game of quality defense um, than we did last year, and like I know I'm 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 trying to be optimistic, but like I I do I 100% agree. I think that you know this seems more sustainable, and like you know we are we're forcing turnovers. We are both forcing turnovers and not giving up big plays, mm-hmm. which which seemed like an impossibility last year. Yeah, at any point. Um, we could, yeah, we couldn't force turnovers, and yeah, we, I mean, we didn't give up a ton of big plays last year, but we sure as hell did in 2017. Yeah, you know, right. like last year was all, just a lot of 11 yard plays. <laughs> yeah, and this year it's like the thing that I've noticed this year is that we've had multiple stops, like right when a team gets past midfield, like they might mm-hmm. get a first down or two, but then we kind of like, hey, kind well, of. We, tighten up a little bit and get our stop. Like I didn't feel like that right. at any point last year. Like if a team got two first downs on us, mm-hmm. they were going to keep going and there was nothing we could do about it. With the, right. Yeah. There has been market improvement in both third down and fourth down uh, stop mm-hmm. rate. Right. Yeah. And sp- speaking of fourth down stop rate, I'm returning to my original super spicy take that I set on uh, the shelf. Full circle. Yeah. Um, there's been a lot of there's a lot of discussion about offenses uh, playing an off style of offense that is complementary to your defense, and a lot of really un, uninformed people who look at Lincoln Riley and see his like coaching tree and s- say that oh his offense must not be doing his defense any favors, which we obviously know is patently untrue. 
Like this team can run the ball. This team sits on the ball frequently. Um, is totally able to play a style of offense that is complementary to the defense. With the exception of this, and I think this is a spicy one. Um, I think that the offense might be uncomplimentary to the defense purely on the facet that it is too good. And so coaches are way more willing to go for it on fourth down than they might otherwise be because they have no expectation of stopping us. Just to, just to keep up, basically. Right. Well, and I think in can general, I can I throw something uh, else out there too? Yeah, to sure. kind of support your. Um, I think that in in the spirit of saying the offense is too good to help you know to help the defense, they I think they score too fast sometimes unintentionally. Like they don't <laughs> right. really score too fast because of the most... tempo. Right. They just, but they just they ran a counterplay and it worked too good. This is yeah. the most like a rich people problem. Uh, right. A first world right. problem. This is a zeroth world <laughs> offense problem. My right problem now. is that our off- I'm just too good looking. Like this is that kind of thing. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. The offense is right. just too uh, good. Nobody yeah. takes me seriously because I'm so beautiful. Uh, no, it's um, no, but really, I think like, and I mean, like even the like even the commentators on the game last night were talking into this in terms of like yeah. uh you know it was like fourth and four in like barely plus territory and they were like do you go for this and he's like yeah you need sevens <laughs> yeah speaking um, of commentators like i don't want to completely get away from what what you're bringing up but can we just right. like a quick statement was brock heward paid by bill Beatonbow or like was it just a, <laughs> an infomercial <laughs> ad like i i don't know if i've ever heard a commentator for three hours just gush about a, a specific coach and position group as much as Brock yeah. Heward did. It was incredible. That man yeah. rambled for entire drives about the, right. the, well, they the took, development. They took, and, like, it was just incredible. Right. Multiple times they took time on the replays to circle all of the UCLA <laughs> yeah. the linemen who got planted. Yep. They, um, they just need to – Bill Biedenboe can just send that game as a whole to recruits and just say, watch this. Right. And, yep. I mean, it, he doesn't need to do anything else. That's like an entire like mm-hmm. three hour long ad for O line recruiting. Which, right. if you're if you're interested in O line recruiting, pay attention Thursday because there could be good news uh, coming out on that topic. Right. Go ahead. Um, and so, yeah, just like returning to like the thesis of my spicy take, which is that in general teams are still too conservative about going for it on fourth down anyways. And so like the fear of having to give the ball back to Lincoln Riley's offense is motivating coaches to make what is probably the right decision more often than they would otherwise. Yeah. I think that that is, is, is probably fair. Um, Yeah. I don't feel like it's that. uh, Because like, you know, this like even in this game, like this team got some third down stops in reasonable mm-hmm. territory. That you know, mm-hmm. if you're playing Kirk Ferentz, that's a punt 100 percent of the time. <laughs> yeah, it's just yeah. that we we've been playing Dana Holgerson and Chip Kelly. Yeah, and, for real. Yeah. Well, right. and we can talk about that too. Um, the defensive improvement, just the coaches they played. I mean, Chip Kelly and Dana Holgerson. That's two of the better minds you're going to right. go against. We're going to we're gonna keep riding on the strength of Chip Kelly's name while we can. I mean, we can talk about, you know, he, he might be, uh, the game might have passed him by a little bit, but, I mean, still, just, yeah, I mean, 
Right. As far as name recognition goes, you can't do much better than that. No. No. Um, okay, do we have any any last thoughts on this game? I think we covered most of what I, I wanted to say. Um, you know, obviously got the bye week before we had, you know, back home, get to play Texas Tech, who looked horrendous this weekend, and they don't have their starting quarterbacks, so... Um, probably not going to yeah. be tested much. Um, do we want to talk? Be, uh, I was just going to Go say, ahead. they're either going to be playing a former uh, Rice walk-on or Jet Duffy. So. Yeah. yeah, it's not a great situation for them. Um, okay, so I would like to talk about the Big 12 a little bit um, and give them, I guess, some props because they had a good weekend. Um, I don't think anybody can deny that. You know, we... You know, I mean, I know us on this podcast, we don't really subscribe to the whole conference pride thing as much as, you know, most people seem to. But, you know, I guess for, you know, you're thinking strength of schedule and all that stuff. And it is a really important factor at the end of the season with the playoff. You know, it is probably a little bit helpful that, you know, the Big 12 went on the road and won a game in the SEC with K-State over Mississippi State. You know, it would have been nice if Iowa State could just, you know, catch actually be. Yeah, we catch a punt. Ago, just one time. Yeah, just beat them once. But, you know, I mean, obviously what we saw Kansas do was made, was probably the most surprising result that has happened in college football in the last yeah. year, few years, they if didn't we're just being win. honest. They the, yeah, they didn't just win. They beat the shit out of them. They beat them by like, yeah. <laughs> like, that was, like, multiple scores. Yeah, just watching Bill Connolly, like reckon with like oh dear the numbers the numbers are not gonna like this one (laughs) (laughs) yeah i want to know what happened i want to know what the hell happened to to boston college like that just that seems impossible they lost to a team and it's not like kansas has shown improvement this year it's they've been kansas they lost lost to coastal carolina Carolina last week they should have lost indiana state they are still in the hundreds like right they're not good. Boston College's defense is just that bad this year, apparently. Yikes. Puka yep. is like the only decent player on their entire offense. And I, I don't I, I just don't know how they could hang forty five on Boston College. So yeah. But it was fun to watch. No doubt about that. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, okay, so big game this weekend, you know, game near and dear to my heart. Um, we've got Oklahoma state traveling to Texas, um, have, and I know that I've definitely watched more Oklahoma state than anybody else on this podcast for obvious reasons. And how, how do we feel like this game is going to go? Are we, are you guys buying Texas at all? How do you guys feel about this? Uh, Um, go go ahead, Ryan. Well, I was just—I was just going to say—I have not watched a single snap of Oklahoma State, so I can't really speak intelligently about them outside of just reputation. I mean, we don't um, do a lot of speaking intelligently on this podcast, well, that's, so that's that's, that's, that's totally point. fine. That's point. I mean, okay, I—I I, I will take Texas in this, even though Oklahoma State's won five straight in Austin, just because. Which is hilarious, by the way. Yeah, it, it's a—it's a great stat. Um, <laughs> I I just think Texas is more talented, and when in doubt, I tend to lean blue chip ratio. But this is a game that I could absolutely see Texas losing because Tom Herman 
has a bit of a reputation for getting the his team up for the big ones and then laying eggs. So mm-hmm. I think they played pretty well against LSU. Uh, they, yes, they got toasted on defense, but is anyone really? I mean, Joe Burrow was obviously a Heisman candidate. You're who didn't see that coming, right? So, <laughs> yeah, I I think they're going to give up some yards, but I think they're also going to score a lot of points, and I think it'd just be a classic Big Twelve shootout, um, and it'd probably be I don't know forty two thirty eight or something like that. Texas at the end of it. Okay. Yeah, I am really hoping that my ride or die Sam Ellinger sucks take really just <laughs> takes flight in this game and we just see a beautiful beautiful performance of two like not great quarterbacks against like slightly overmatched uh defensive secondaries oh yeah this is the two-year anniversary of his throwing the ball out of the end zone just throwing it just straight (laughs) to another guy (laughs) in the stands yeah for sure oh man yeah it's um I I want nothing more than for Sam Ellinger to regress to his mean. Um, I don't know if it'll happen necessarily. Um, Devin DuVernay is still good. Like Colin Johnson is. I mean, we could have a whole podcast. Big. We probably could. Nothing else. Yeah. Um, about co- how Colin Johnson is just. If I was a Texas fan, I would be really confused and frustrated with Colin Johnson. Because he's like he's almost like if eighty Miller. He's like. 1.380 millers. <laughs> Can we, okay. We just, okay. Moving forward, that needs to be a unit of measurement on this podcast. He is at least <laughs> 1.780 millers. Like that. Let's give him a little credit. Like that dude set the Big 12 championship record last year for yards. Right. I know it was Wait. against us, but. How many He's 80 millers is he bad? Do I'm not talking about him. This is, by the way, this wasn't a. This wasn't his quality this was quantity of human oh, okay i see what i'm you saying mean. that he's like a very large <laughs> he's very large but in some ways almost feels like 80 miller in that like how frequently is he really dominating a game the way he should be able to at his size and ability uh i mean just when he plays us yeah I mean, it's yeah. really yeah it's really about it <laughs> god damn um, it so, yeah so that's i don't know that's why i like ellinger yeah Who's the most talented player in this game? Is it Chuba Hubbard or is it Sam Ellinger? I think it is. is it... No, it's, it's either Chuba or Tywin Wallace. Like Sam Ellinger can get the fuck out of here. Right. So I think we're ta- yeah. So Oklahoma State has the two best players in this game. They're both offensive players. Yeah. We obviously have massive questions about Texas's defense. This is a very losable game for Texas. I wouldn't be surprised at all See, if Oklahoma State. Are, the the only problem with that to me is to think like players three through 10 are on Texas. So, yeah, I, I haven't been impressed with what I've seen from OSU this year. They struggled. I mean, their defense looked really bad against Oregon state. Yeah. They struggled pretty mightily with Tulsa offensively and defensively. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm worried that if Chuba Hubbard isn't able to go for like 200 yards, that the offense is actually going to be kind of average at best. Right. Um, and I think that, you know, you give Todd Orlando something to just really key on. And I mm-hmm. think he is smart enough to figure out how to s- at least limit him. Right. So that's a concern. Um, and, and while Texas isn't like super great in the front seven, they have some dudes at DB. So I, I know they got 
some yards put on him against LSU, but yeah. LSU also has really good receivers, or at least really right. good receivers. Yeah, talent. yeah. I think it, so. it's going to come down. Presumably, Todd Orlando is going to say, "All right, Chuba, you don't get to play football today." Um, yeah, and then just dare Spencer Sanders, a quarterback we've all agreed can't really throw a deep ball, to try and give Tylen Wallace enough ammunition to get them over the line. Well. If nothing else, he has a quarterback to emulate of just chucking it downfield and hoping right. something works. So, right. yeah. How many uh, pass interference calls in this game do you think? Uh, at at least, at Texas, so. at least eight, I and mean, I think seven of them will be on Oklahoma State probably because yeah, yeah, it yeah. is at Texas. <laughs> um, and as bad of luck as OU has with pass interferences, that Texas has that good of luck. So. I mean, I we can call it luck. We didn't, have to remember know. where all the refs in the Big Twelve live. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. Anyways, okay. is there anything else? I mean, there are some good matchups this weekend. Um, Notre Dame is going to get blitzed. They. I am so excited about that. I hate Notre Dame. They're going to get <laughs> shown to be the fake ass team that they are. Um, I'm that's just glad exciting. I have to. I'm just happy we wanted to hear about the Notre Dame. You know. Playing their bullshit. way into the play, yeah, the playoff. Right. No, I'm very happy year. that Georgia's going to go ahead and stop that one pretty yeah. quick. Yeah, Georgia real good, vote. by the way. That's a really yeah. good football team. They're going to, they're yeah. going to win by, uh, I think, like 17. I think it's going to be right, pretty comfortable. So, I mean, I guess one thing that we can mention, uh, you know, it's been talked about quite a bit nationally, but it really does seem like there are six teams that are kind of separating themselves from the rest of college football right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, obviously, you know, the Bama and Clemson thing, there's probably a gap between them and the other teams. Um, okay. And I know Bama's, you know, getting, you know, pretty ravaged by injuries. So maybe they're coming back, but I kind of think um, Ohio state and Georgia, I, we're, I'm not sure Bama is that far away from those two. I almost, I don't know. I kind of put OU and LSU that's like five and six lower. as five and six. And I almost had those four almost as a goal. Yeah. I, I'm interested in Premier League terms. Go. And Premier League. Yeah. So we've got the big six. Do you want me to like say what, which team is what? Absolutely. Is yep. that what you're going with? Yes. I mean, I think Clemson is obviously Manchester City. Mm-hmm. Um, newer money, but still just obscenely loaded. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of tough, though, because, like, you could just make an easier – I don't know. You know, they're either Man, Man City or Liverpool. Alabama is the other one. Those two are Man City and Liverpool. Pretty easy there. Um, unfortunately, <laughs> OU's Arsenal, right? Well, OU's always been Arsenal. This was never yeah. This was never a question. Yeah, OU's uh, Arsenal, which which really sucks. Um, I think – <laughs> I think that I I think Georgia's Tottenham. Yeah, that, because they've never actually had success, but they've always been like almost yeah. there. They're getting They're, close. Yeah, a lot of, of Spursy moments. Um, yeah, in Georgia's Ohio history. State. I mean, this is Ohio State's. I guess can be Manchester United if that's where we're going. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Which that would make LSU this is, Chelsea. This is starting to break down. 
I'm not feeling great about these. I'm not no. feeling great about these. Other than <laughs> just can, saying that OU is Arsenal. Week, yeah. OU is Arsenal. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's really the only one I'm confident in. Uh, but there's <laughs> right. definitely a gap between those, I think, those six teams. And, I, yeah, there are kind of – I still – I think that, you know, you've got to put Clemson and Alabama as one and two with yeah, and just a small gap between Georgia and Ohio State because, like – Until I mean, defeated, Clemson, they, have, they have to be there. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, until Georgia beats Alabama, I'm not going to think they can beat Alabama. So They're the team most capable of beating Alabama besides Clemson, but they have to actually do it. Right. They have so to do worth, it. Yeah, it's worth noting that Alabama no longer has their anti-Georgia like missile. Well, that's right. true. We have them now. So that's good. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And what? I tend to lean. I think OU is probably number five in this scenario. I, I yeah. think that they're probably better than LSU. Yeah. Um. I just. I'm not. I, I'm, I'm not convinced LSU can do it for a whole season. I agree. I agree right. with that. And it's I it's really that, unfortunate for them that they don't get to play Alabama now. Like mm-hmm. if they could play Alabama like next week, that might be a really good thing because Alabama's yeah. gonna be starting a lot of freshmen I, on the defense. Yeah. I think they lose to Bama and also like drop like some random game to like A and M or something. Oh, please um, not A and M. Yeah, I I don't want it to be A and M, but like something like that, you know. No, that maybe that, maybe that, Auburn. I don't yeah. know. I would I would bet that probably happens. I yeah. think they'll be like ten and two, and people will be like, "Well, shit, they could have been so much better." That kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean that. Yeah, that's the story of them. That's yeah. how they go. Because um, I look at, I, I mean, I look at Joe Burrow, and it's like clearly a good quarterback, probably not this good. I Pro- saw him mocked in the first recently, and I was just like, "What the hell?" So, I mean, well, the thing is, the guy I was going to compare him to is like he's probably like Luke Falk good, and like that's a starting quarterback in the <laughs> NFL now. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Got that Mike Leach uh, coaching, so right. <laughs> former walk-on Luke Falk. That is two former walk-ons, two Burlesworth Trophy winners, uh, starting in the NFL. Right. Playing yeah. against each other in a game in which mm-hmm. neither of them looked very good. <laughs> yeah, it will. It will never make sense that Luke Falk won that award over Baker. Baker I, senior yeah. year. They just like <laughs> it will never make bad. sense. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh crap! I'm seeing. Report that TJ Pledger is nearing his return from injury. That's exciting. Already? Yeah. I thought they, well, they said yesterday that he probably wouldn't be back for tech. Did they get upgraded or something? I don't know. I just, I'm seeing a deal on, maybe, on maybe the Oklahoma. Maybe nearing his return means that somebody said he'll definitely be back for the next game. Maybe. Yep. Well, we'll see. Um, yes, yeah, so, I mean, that's cool. He's got it. Our he got deep his job running back stolen, core so. gets deeper. So, mm-hmm. sweet. He has already gotten his job stolen. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. Uh, all right. I think we should end it. Like, I'm, I'm kind of out. Yeah, there's not that much more to say. Um, we got a bye week coming up. I hope everybody enjoys it. Um, that'll give us plenty of time to uh, really ruminate on the rest of the college football landscape. Um, which uh, that's actually a joke. I have to go to a wedding. Um, <laughs> but so, um, thanks for joining us all. Uh, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, the Google Play Store, or on Podbean. Um, if you enjoyed the podcast, uh, share it with a friend. And you can follow us on Twitter at Alex P. Purdy and at RW Maxi. And we will see you so, so soon, eventually. <laughs>